1: Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Fret Files podcast. My name is Eric Daw, your personal guitar scientist engineer guy. With over 20 years of experience building and repairing guitars, this is a podcast about guitar repair, guitar building, guitar news, guitar science, and guitar opinions. Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa.
2: This is a question and answer episode where we will respond to listener-submitted emails. I will read the questions, and Eric will try to answer them.
1: We've got some good questions. Questions about water slide decals. Questions about truss rods. A lot of questions. uh, Actually, we've got, I think, three phone calls to take. Yeah, which is great. Uh, Questions about left-handed guitars. Questions about pick guard static. All kinds of things. So <clears throat> we'll get into that in a moment. Anyhow, what have I been working on? Well, I'll tell you. I've been making custom guitars,
0: like wow. a, like a madman.
1: I have a whole bunch of custom orders, and I've been I've been uh, trying to keep it on on you know within the deadlines that I've set. Right. F- for myself and promised to the customers. So right now I'm about three months out on a custom guitar. Wow. Yeah. And I try to make two a month, and right now I'm booked out until October. I think I have seven guitars to make. Wow. By October. Right now. This is why none of them ever hit the website. You know, people ask me, they say, Eric, how come there's no guitars for sale on your website ever? And it's because I'm pre-sold five and ten at a time, and so I'm always playing catch-up, and I almost never have one to put on the website. I'm going to try to get a few done uh, here this year that are just specifically for the website that are going to be added to the website. So, we'll see if I can make that happen. I really want to make that happen because I hate having a website and everything says sold on it. There's nothing available. But, I do custom orders, and that's Predominantly all I do right now because I'm I'm back ordered three months. Yeah. Or more.
2: Cool. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> so that's what I've been working on and also a lot of repairs, a lot of a lot of fret levels and refrets. I've been winding custom pickups. Um I'm right now I'm winding some pickups for a a cat named Jamie in his his telecaster.
2: Why does a cat have a telecaster?
1: He's well you know. You know what the hip like a cool, kids a cool say. cat. The hip kids call The hip cat? They say cat. You know this cat <laughs> over here, he's a pretty cool S- cat.
2: Pretty f- 23 skidoo.
1: Uh yeah, this dude, would you rather I say dude? I thought dude the days of dude were were gone. You can't say dude anymore, is that right? I
2: still say dude.
1: What about the way I say it? Dude. Dude. That doesn't really work, no, what do you say, gentlemen? bro, I'm making some pickups for a gentleman named Jamie
2: well, Jamie,
1: and must uh, be a gentleman he, he sent me his his telecaster, actually, I'm gonna rewire the whole thing and put one of my aged pit guards bakelite pit guards on there and oh, put cool. my own pickups in there. Yeah, he wanted me to dress it up. It's a nice little telly. I was strumming on it the other day. And what else am I working on? I don't know. All kinds of repairs. That's what I do. Between repairs and custom guitars, I'm a busy boy. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Anyhow, we have some questions to take. Shall we take them? Let's do it. Um, I, I think I can play them live. We don't have to... Uh,
2: all right. You know,
1: well, well, I don't know if this is going to work. It might take a second. We're, we're going to take... I think we have three calls to take. Let's see if we can take them. Here is call number one.
0: Hey Eric, this is Micah calling from Omaha, Nebraska again. I was wondering what you have to say about decals. Um, some people like to not top coat them after they put them on, and this is on top. I personally think burying it in lacquer, leveling it out, it looks nicer but in terms of vintage spec versus durability and et cetera, et cetera, what is, what is your process on applying a decal? Um, I also, there's a glue on
1: the back of it
0: that you soak in water and is the glue what's holding the decal on or is the lacquer decal melting into the layers below it or kind of both? Anyhow, um, yeah, have fun with that. Thank you. Bye.
1: Thank you, sir. There was a little. I, I thought I was bumping my mic stand, but there was. I think there was a little wind there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Wherever Jamie was calling from, it was Micah. Oh, Jamie is the guy that sent me the. He's yeah, the dude he's the cat. that he's the cat that sent me the. Tilly. This
2: was Micah. This
1: was Micah. I'm so sorry, Micah. He
2: lives in Omaha, Nebraska.
1: All these names. Everybody and everybody has a different one. How are you supposed to keep them all straight? <laughs> right. I'm so bad with names.
2: So decals, tell me about them. Yes,
1: Micah, sir. Uh, So, yeah. Traditionally, they should be lacquered over. Now, there's a few ways to do that. Um, The old Fender decals—they would lacquer the the, dec—the decal would get lacquered before it got put on the guitar, and that's why it has such a raised surface to it. It is lacquered over. So you can do that. You can cut out your decal and uh, and lacquer it and then put it on, and that looks fine. I think that that's a nice look. Lately, I've been doing mine. Uh, I've, I paint a few coats on the neck, and then I put the decal on and then continue putting coats on the neck, and it makes the decal sit kind of under the surface. It makes, it's, it's a really nice look once you sand, wet sand and buff it out. There's no line around the decal. I kind of like it. I go back and forth. I think either way is perfectly acceptable. Uh the only thing to me that's not acceptable is if you uh, if you don't lacquer the decal and then put it on and then don't lacquer over it. Uh you can that that ink just scratches right off. Depending on the lacquer or depending on the decal that you've used, but almost all of the available decals uh and we're talking about, like, I have decals made for me that have my logo on them. And the company that I get them from is called Rothco and Frost. They're in the UK. They did a fabulous job printing my decals. I used to make my own decals on an ink, inkjet water uh, or an inkjet printer, a desktop, you know, computer right. printer. Uh, but they're really pretty poor quality decals. And they don't print white, they don't print metallic inks like gold or silver, so they end up making a pretty crummy decal, and it's very transparent. So I stopped making my own decals years ago. Some people still do that, I know, and depending on how good your printer is, you know, sometimes I've seen homemade decals that look pretty good. Mine I was never fully happy with, so I have decals made for me by a company called Rothko and Frost. They do a great job. And they're very fragile. It's super thin. It's thinner than the... If you buy the the inkjet water slide decal paper, Rothko and Frost's decal paper is, is even thinner than that. It's very thin stuff. And if you put that on the headstock and then lacquer it over a few times, it really melts in to where there's no line around it. It looks beautiful. It looks like the, the logo is silk screened right on the on the peg head, on the headstock. Really nice decals. But they're very, very fragile. If you just scratch them just a little bit, the ink comes off with your fingernail or with anything, the ink comes right off. Right. So you have to be very careful. You have to lacquer over them. It's just your call on whether or not you want to lacquer over it first or put it on the headstock, then lacquer over it. The other thing I would mention is you didn't know you were going to get such a dissertation on, on decals, did you? No. Melissa's bored out of her mind.
2: I'm enjoying. The,
1: the other thing, ab- I bet, the other thing about it is I use something called uh, MicroSet, and it's a solution that helps the decal adhere. Uh, it I don't know if it melts in a little bit, or I'm not sure exactly what it does, but it does help the decal really melt into the surface. It's called Microset, and uh, the company that makes it... Let me look. Uh, it's called Microscale. Microscale is the company. The decal setting solution is Microset. There's two solutions that they sell. Microsol, which is the red bottle, and Microset, which is the blue bottle. You want to use Microset, because... Uh micro is for applying a decal to like a curved surface and it really helps the decal form to whatever surface you're it like curls it up to oh, whatever okay. like to... if
2: you're putting it on a helmet or something. Yeah,
1: if you were to put it on yeah. If you were putting it on a non flat surface. Okay. If you're doing a flat surface, like a guitar headstock, use the blue bottle micro set. And it's cheap. I, I think it's 5 bucks for a bottle. You can get it on Amazon or eBay or anywhere, hobby store, anywhere. Cool. But yeah, it really helps. It does help, and uh, that's my spiel about decals. What do you think?
2: That's pretty excellent.
1: Shall we take another call? Let's do it. If, if I can, if I can figure this out here. Uh, from July 24th. Just
2: a few we days have ago. A call. Uh,
1: if I can scroll. Oh, I have a mouse now. I went to the thrift store and bought a mouse <laughs> for a dollar. It still doesn't work. Just uh, use the
0: scroll wheel.
2: What are you doing?
1: I can't, it does, it's not scrolling. There we go.
0: Okay. Hi, Eric and Melissa. Uh, this is Josh from Ohio. I've listened to uh, all 62 episodes over the last several weeks, and don't think you've had this question. Um, can you detail your technique for installing a uh, water slide decal? On one of your custom-built guitars. That is uncanny. I look forward to your
1: answer.
2: Thanks. Have you listened to these?
1: Well, sir, no, I have not. I have not screened these. So there you go. You, I think you already, I think you just got it.
2: Th- is this like the hive mind? What's going on? It here? It really is. It's really interesting.
1: Joshua was that his name? Did I think you it catch was just Josh. Oh, but Joshua. Have you met Micah?
2: You guys, they're of well, should Nebraska be buddies because Ohio. you're thinking,
1: you're thinking alike. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess we don't need to to answer that one. Although, I want to say thank you very much for calling. Everybody, call. Please call. Always call. Seven five seven 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 four eight four eight two. Let's take our final call.
0: Hey, Eric, Melissa, this is Andrew from NorCal. Hey, called with a with a, another fun old K acoustic question. Um, I picked up a sweet old K ladder brace got a really nice sunburst on it. The neck is actually relatively straight. Uh, and it plays with some fun, cool old mojo. The problem is, is it's been strung up in somebody's attic or somewhere for 50 years. And it's trying to fold itself in half. Yeah. The, the neck itself, uh, my first thought was, oh, shoot, uh, it probably needs a neck reset. But then when I finally got the the guitar shipped to me, uh, the top is actually caving in. There's some cracks in the top, it's a solid spruce top, or looks like spruce. Um, but it's warped nasty uh, at the neck, and it's the bridge is bellied way out. Mm. Now, nothing's given up the ghost yet. There's no, on the whole guitar, there's no major cracks. It doesn't look like there's been any repairs done to it. Uh, but I'm wondering, how in the world can a guy get in there and flatten that top back out? Is this a rebrace situation? The guitar, the guitar's got so much mojo, I would love to get it, you know, playable for another sixty years. That'd be amazing. So uh yeah, what's your opinion on that? As always, uh looking forward to uh Eric's opinion on old guitars. I know you love the old case, so I do. Thanks guys for the show. Always love it. Bye.
1: Yes sir, thank you, Andrew. Thanks for calling. I do love the old K acoustic guitars. They're great, and uh, you never know what you're going to get. I mean, sometimes they're sometimes they have truss rods, sometimes they're ladder braced, sometimes they're this, sometimes they're that. Sounds like you've got a ladder braced one with a really badly warped top. There's a few ways to do this. Um, Stuart McDonald sells a product called the T.J. Thompson Belly Reducer. And it's basically a metal plate that you heat up and then you stick it inside the guitar and clamp the guitar and force it back to, to uh, into shape. I don't know if that works with a ladder braced guitar. I think that it's really designed for an X braced guitar. You may need to rebrace this guitar uh, and that's certainly something that you could do. You could rebrace it um an x x braced you know that's a lot of work, and I don't know if it's something you wanted to get into or not um but it it can be done it's just a lot of work. I have a a very simple solution for you if you're interested in doing this. It's not something that I would recommend doing on a very valuable guitar. It's not something that I would recommend doing on a vintage Martin uh, or an old Gibson, but an old K, an old ladder-braced K, I think it's okay to do. And uh, I would put a bridge doctor (gasps) in there. Do you know what a bridge doctor is?
2: I know that they're considered kind of janky. They're not! Well...
1: It's, there, there are, there are a lot of opinions about the Bridge Doctor, and some people think that it's a big sin to put a Bridge Doctor in a guitar. I don't. When it's, when you've got an old K that's trying to fold itself in half, and the, uh, the top is warping like crazy, man, what a beautiful fix. It really is a good fix. A Bridge Doctor installs inside the guitar, It basically attaches to the bridge, through the bridge plate, and then it has a dowel that goes straight back to the end block and then a big set screw that you can adjust with uh, an Allen wrench Mm -hmm. and tighten that up. And so basically it's like a cantilever. It forces, it puts pressure on the top and flattens it back out. Cool. Cool. It is cool, and they claim the people that make the Bridge Doctor. I can't remember the name of the company that makes that. I should look that up while we're talking here. Uh, they claim that it actually will improve your, your average guitar. You know, like, the, like they say that it's going to be like adding a sound post to a violin. Uh,
2: so they recommend putting it on any guitar. No matter what the guitar needs,
1: yeah, and there's some shops that even think that you know there's some shops that say, "Oh, you should put a bridge doctor in this guitar. It's a great thing to you know on a guitar that doesn't have a problem, don't do that. Don't put a bridge doctor in a guitar that doesn't have a problem okay it's it's like putting a cast on an arm that's not broken. There's no reason for it, but if you've got a really badly warped top and it's not a ten thousand or more dollar guitar." I say go for it. The JLD Bridge Doctor. They sell two versions. You can get it through Stuart McDonald. They sell two versions. The only version I've ever installed is the one that's the screw mount. You drill a hole between the D and G uh, holes in the bridge just behind them. And uh, you drill a hole there, and the Bridge Doctor mounts through that hole... And then you put a pearl dot over the screw and sand it flush, you know, make it look nice. The other version that they sell is a brass pin mount so that you no longer use bridge pins. You have to use the bridge doctor's weird, weird bridge pins.
2: Mm.
1: And it mounts through the bridge pins. I have never used one of those. I think they look weird and it's twice as much money. So to me, if if it's a guitar worth saving and we don't mind drilling a hole through the bridge... The screw mount is the way to go. They're twenty-two fifty from Stuart McDonald. The uh, brass pin mount version is fifty-two seventy-five. So, wow. Yeah, stick with the screw mount. That's a good fix on old harmonies, on old K's, on old you know. I put them on a lot of like Japanese acoustic guitars that come to me that have that problem, like an old Yamaha or Alvarez that that have a uh, a bad, a really bad belly in the top man the bridge doctor is a great solution for that because uh it's not a complicated job it doesn't take long the bridge doctor is only twenty two dollars and it fixes it i mean it fixes it cool it unequivocally fixes it and there it, there's uh there's no question and it's much easier than re trying to rebrace a guitar so that's what i recommend what do you think of that Sounds good. You want to put a bridge doctor in a guitar? No. Let's take a little break, then we'll come back and do some questions. What do you think?
2: Sounds good. As you may already know, I make custom leather guitar straps. I hand make each strap from start to finish. I start with a hide of some of the finest vegetable tan leather on the market. Each hide is chosen for exceptional quality, color, and grain. If you haven't been to my website lately, you need to check it out. I've got a bunch of new strap designs and colors listed with more on the way. If you don't see the perfect strap, contact me with your custom order idea. Visit melcoleather.com to seek examples of custom orders I've done in the past. If you're a dealer, I offer competitive wholesale pricing. Email melcoleather at gmail.com for details. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Etsy. If you're listening to this, you get 15% off when you enter code FRETFILES at checkout at melcoleather.com. That's M E L C O
0: leather.com.
1: If you're a fan of the show, it has become obvious to you that I repair and restore guitars. I'm not a hobbyist, this is something I do full-time for a living, and I've done it for almost 25 years. If you have a guitar repair that you need help with, consider sending it to me. I get repairs from all over the country. People send me guitars from far and wide, from Hawaii to Alaska to Florida, and I would love to help you with your guitar. I know a lot of people live in an area where they don't really have a tech or a repair guy that they can trust, or maybe it's a really complicated repair or a really special guitar to you that you don't want to just trust anybody, you can send it to me, I promise you'll be satisfied with the results. I rewind pickups, I restore vintage guitars, I do refrets, broken headstocks, neck resets, you name it, if it's broken on a guitar, I pretty much fix it. So. I'd love to help you out. You can go to my website to read more about me and to see a price chart. Go to ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. And if you need more information, you can contact me through that website by clicking the contact link and send me a message there and I'll get back to you. Um, So thank you for listening. And now back to the show. Alrighty then, let's take some uh, questions.
2: Hey, Eric and Melissa. Thanks again for putting Zach from Seattle and I in touch for the neck. My question this time, if it hasn't been answered in a past podcast, is how do you go about lubing a truss rod? It is a 59 Harmony Stratotone Jupiter and it's in mint condition, but the rod is very difficult to turn. It looks like it's been sitting in a closet for the last 59 years and like the rod has never been turned and may very well have been. Also, what products would you recommend using if that wasn't already implied in the first part of my question? Anyway, thanks and please keep putting out the great podcast. Sean in Seattle.
1: Thanks, Sean. Thank you for writing in. I would, um, I love those old harmonies. They have, they do have fussy truss rods, um, the way to free that up in my opinion is you want to take the nut completely off and uh there are there's there's different kinds of truss rods so some of some tr- this doesn't work in every case not all truss rods come apart like this but um but harmonies do you can take that nut completely off all the way off uh that this would also work on a gibson or a fender but um Only the old fenders, the the new style fenders with the the, uh, dual-action truss rod that adjusts at the headstock, this doesn't work. So, uh, you should take the nut completely off, and while you've got that off, you could take a brass bristle brush or something like that and clean the threads out. Clean the threads. I'm sure they're looking kind of rusty. You know, mask off the rest of the headstock if you need to. Clean up the threads and put some kind of a paste lubricant on the threads, like petroleum jelly or lithium grease, you know, so you don't want to use anything really liquid that can run into the wood under the finish. So I would use a a paste uh, lubricant on the threads, put some on the actual threads, and put some inside the threads of the nut, and you could add a washer because that helps, that really does help, Uh, getting the uh, nut to turn easier. So add a washer if you've got the right size washer. Clean threads, lube both the uh, rod and the nut, put on a washer, put it back on and tighten it up and that should do it. That really should do it. Cool. Yeah.
2: So because I was picturing lubing the whole truss rod, but that's not necessary because it's just the nut on the threads that makes it work right
1: mm-hmm. yeah the rest of the truss rod uh it doesn't really move per se it just flexes okay so there's no reason to oil that okay yeah
2: that makes sense thanks sean hello eric and melissa just listening to that long oh we missed a show q a episode thanks for picking up my question on stainless steel frets <clears throat> I have a lefty-specific question for you. As a lefty, buying and servicing guitars is often a compromise, as it feels like 95% of the market is geared towards right-handed players. Sure. I have become used to ordering lefty guitars online without ever playing them and sending them back if they don't work out for me. (laughs) That sucks. Uh, On average, this is far easier than trying to hunt down a shop that has something resembling the lefty guitar I want. When it comes to service, however, it's a different story. Something needs to be physically done to my instrument. Most guitar techs are right handed, and I often receive my guitar back with a non optimal setup, even if it was in the hands of a supposedly trained professional. And while I can do basic stuff myself, there are all kinds of jobs I just don't want to get into, especially with acoustics. Most techs are really great on repairs and fixing what needs to be fixed. But some of them don't do all that great of a general setup, and some of these are known for their great setups in the right-handed guitar community. On the other hand, some techs really get this right as well. From your experience, are there any hints that I could give to the right-handed guitar techs how they should approach setting up a lefty guitar? There must be some basic tricks out there other than find a lefty tech. Any pointers I can give them? Any tricks or tools they should use? As always, thanks for any thoughts, Axel.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question, Axel. Thanks for the question. Man, I'm trying to think what you could tell a tech. Uh, Nothing really comes to mind. Did you know there's a left-handed guitar store called Southpaw Guitars in in, uh, Houston, Texas? Wow. Yeah, they cater to left-handed players. I mean, I think they have some right-handed guitars in there, but it's it's mostly left-handed guitars.
2: It's a niche market.
1: Isn't it cool? It's kind of cool.
2: How do they stay in business?
1: Well, how they stay in business is they they run the market. I mean, they... I guess so.
2: They got a monopoly.
1: Well, yeah, and they've got a great, a beautiful website, com, where you can go and look at all their left-handed inventory. It's kind of amazing, actually.
2: So back to the question.
1: Back to the question. Gee whiz, Axel. Uh, I haven't thought about it much. For a while, I strung my guitars backwards 30 years ago. Uh,
2: That's so cute.
1: <laughs> you didn't know that? You're
2: so precious.
1: Ah, oh, geez. I liked Albert King so much that I thought there was no way I was going to get his tone if I didn't. If I didn't string it backwards.
2: Well, that's obvious.
1: Because he is a left-handed player, but he keeps them strung righty. So when he bends the high E, he's pulling it down. Oh. Where most right-handed players, you're pushing the the high E up when you bend it.
2: And that makes a huge difference, I'm well, sure. Well,
1: listen. When you're a fanatic, and you don't have a girlfriend, <laughs> and you play a lot of guitar... <laughs> You think of things like this, right? right? Okay, so I used to string my guitars backward. And so I can play backward, not as good uh, as I can strung right-handed. Right. But if you hand me a left-handed guitar, I can play passable guitar on it. You know, playing it right-handed. Right. But with it strung backward. So setting up a left-handed guitar is not a huge deal because I can play it.
2: But for most (laughs) right-handed players...
1: For most right-handed techs, I guess, it. I don't know. I mean, look, there's really nothing... There's really nothing that specific about a left-handed guitar versus a right-handed guitar, except for the fact that it's backwards. Right. Just because a tech can't really play it because it's strung backwards, he should, you know, he can still set the neck straight, dial in the nut slots. I mean, everything else... You don't have to be able to play it to know what you're doing. So I guess what you're experiencing is some techs know what they're doing and some techs don't. And that's true whether you're right-handed or left-handed. Yeah. And he kind of alluded to that in the question here, but uh, is there? He, he, he sums it up by saying, are there any hints I could give to right-handed guitar techs how they should approach setting up a lefty guitar? How about tell them to do a good job? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Don't
2: that's Don't be a tough. dick about it, though, Axel. Just take like it easy. me yeah don't be an eric
1: which melissa is insinuating
2: what are you gonna do I, don't I mean know.
1: I, I i can't think of i can't really think of anything here you go tell them to learn how to play with the guitar strung upside down so now they now they can approach your guitar and yeah. play it
2: my favorite guitar tech Eric Doc can play backwards.
1: <laughs> I can't really play back it's I'm pretty I mean it's pretty bad. But
2: I'm gonna I, say it's passable you I mean, can it's play okay. better backwards than I can play right handed.
1: Well that's because you don't play at all.
2: I, I I know like three chords.
1: Oh yeah. Which chords? I don't know. Anyhow, thanks for the question, Axel. Sorry. I, I feel like I was a non answer. Yeah. I try.
2: Hi, Eric and Melissa. I really like this show. It makes my day when a new show comes out. <clears throat> I have a few questions I've been thinking of. Do hollow body and semi hollow body guitars need to have their next reset like acoustics do over time? They do seem a little more solidly built, but that is a lot of pressure over time. How about solid body guitars? If so, are electrics harder to do than acoustics? Have you ever... Oh, this is his next, next idea.
1: Well, let's take them one at a time. Then. Okay, go ahead. Uh, it It's not near as common, but it does happen. Occasionally you see like a Les Paul or something that needs a neck reset. It's so rare. Or a 335. Occasionally you see an arch-top guitar that needs a neck reset, but their necks are set so steep... They're set at such an angle that they can actually shift quite a bit, and it can still be completely usable because you, you've you really got a lot of room to go up and down on the bridge. Mm. So you can drop the bridge quite a bit on those. You don't have to reset the neck. So it's rare, but it does happen.
2: Okay. And, and what, what about electrics? Y-
1: yeah, like I said, so occasionally you see a Les oh, Paul okay. or a 335 with a with an, a neck angle problem, but it's right. rare. It's it's pretty rare.
2: Is a Les Paul a solid body?
1: Yeah, it's a solid body. It's, it's mahogany with a maple cap. Oh, okay. And a mahogany, usually mahogany neck. Some of them have maple. It just depends on the era, but traditionally and originally they were mahogany. Oh,
2: mm-hmm. cool. Uh, next question Have you ever wired a five way switch to have the bridge and neck pickup on? It seems strange that on a this. A strat? Uh, yes. A strat have you five you ever way wire
1: switch. wired a strat five way switch. Okay,
2: go to ahead. have the bridge and neck pickup on. It, it seems strange that this is not an option you see very often, but maybe it sounds bad. Could this be done, say, in place of the middle only position?
1: Uh, there's a mod. There, there's if if you Google this, you'll you'll see there's a mod. Somebody has already put their brain power into this, and it involves the uh, the third pot. So you can do a blend pot there, and. What you do is you replace that tone pot with a blend pot. And then you've got a master volume, a master tone, and then a blend pot. And with that pot turned all the way up, it's a normal Strat with five settings. If you turn it all the way down, then on the outside switch positions, Mm -hmm. you get neck and bridge pickup. Mm Mm-hmm. If you don't want to do that and you only want to use a five-way switch and you want to hardwire it some unique way, you can do it. You'll probably have to use a super switch, which is a switch with about 30 solder lugs on it. That's a crazy deal. But that could be done. Cool. Yeah.
2: One more nut question as well. I know you prefer bone nuts, but I noticed that the custom shop Gibsons and the original Les Pauls have nylon nuts. From reading on the internet, people claim it is really hard to work with, but it has lots of great properties, tone and self-lubrication. And to sort of quote you, no one ever complained about the tone of 59 Les Paul. Have you ever worked with it? And if so, what do you think? Thanks, Tyler.
1: Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate it. Uh Certainly, I've worked with it. Um... I don't, you know, I would not recommend replacing it if you have a vintage Gibson. Uh, but if I were running Gibson in the 50s, I would have put a bone nut on there. I mean, that's what I prefer. That's what I like. Right. Yeah. Um. But, you know, yeah, historically, yeah, those a lot of those old Gibsons had nylon nuts. I don't know. They're, it's like a weird, it's like a hard, really hard nylon. I don't know. I. I don't know.
2: Is it hard to work with?
1: No, I don't think that it's hard to work with. It's a little. It cuts a little bit different than than any, you know, every material you work with to make a nut is, is different. Plastic right. bone, graphite, brass, nylon, they're all different and you have to be careful while you're getting used to the feel of it so that you don't cut the slots too deep, but it's not particularly difficult to work with, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Tyler.
2: Regarding pickguard static, I had it on one of my guitars and ended up gluing aluminum foil under the pickguard. Of course, attaching foil on top of on the top side would work, with the benefit of providing a personalized look for the instrument.
1: <laughs> I think B- he's joking.
2: But you have to be you <laughs> yeah,
1: and right. make your own <laughs> choices
2: regarding neck heavy SG. <laughs> Uh, regarding neck-heavy SG's, I, too, am in the sticky strap camp. However, my local guitar tech mentioned that he's seen people put lead weights in the control cavity or hang a bag of rocks from the strap end button. The end strap button. I mean,
1: this is getting out there, though. Why don't you just hang a cinder block from that strap button?
2: It reminds me of that Fleetwood Mac album cover. You know the one I'm talking about?
1: Where the guy's got some weird things hanging off his belt? Yep. That always bugged me. What is <laughs> what is going on with that? I mean, you no one can look at that and just think, "Oh, that's a nice picture of some."
2: Anyhow, uh finally, a question for your left-handed listeners. Ooh, more hive mind here. Uh, I know. It's weird. Yeah. Is the the desire to have left-handed pots in a guitar due to ergonomics and ease of use? Or is it simply from wanting the guitar to function as a mirror image of a right-handed instrument? Do all clockwise pots feel like they work the wrong way, even the ones on amps and effects? Would you want to fix those, too, if it were feasible? Jay from Pittsburgh.
1: Thanks, Jay. I think what's going on with left-handed players is, you know... left-handed people in general are arbitrary people. mentally ill they're and and they're, <laughs> they usually they, <laughs> they're just negative people and they have you know they they're just uh
2: uh how um, dare they be left-handed uh no
1: i think that it's obviously i'm joking right right i have to say that because somebody's going to get offended I can, but no no I love left handed people. They're just like right handed people, but they use their (laughs) left hand. Okay. We got that out of the way. All right. Having said that, uh, I, I don't know because I'm not left handed. I can only assume that, you know, if you imagine playing a guitar, you want, I would want the knobs to turn, um, counterclockwise to turn them up if I'm playing left-handed. If I'm playing right-handed, uh, I would want them to turn clockwise. It just, if you know, imagine doing that and you just, that's just how they go. You know, on an amp, it's different because it's not on your belly.
2: Yeah, it's not left-handed or right-handed. It's just on an amp.
1: It's just on an amp. And I assume left-handed people are used to, like, doorknobs and things like that, so...
2: They're not. They have, they have left-handed doorknobs and everything. Really? You've heard of left-handed scissors, right? What? They have left-handed scissors? That's actually true. They do have left-handed Are you
1: serious? Scissors. I used to prank call the store that I worked at all the time, and I would say, Yeah, you guys got any left-handed amps?
2: You did that at Emerald City? And, yeah. Uh, no wonder you left.
1: And they would say, yeah, what are you looking for? <laughs> because they're really good salesmen. They're like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my
1: God. Anyhow, uh, did we answer? Did, was there a really. question?
2: Um, But d- in the last episode, when we were talking about left-handed pots, you were saying that the tone, if you roll it all the way down... Does something different than it should. Oh, because
1: uh, yeah. So the 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 reason you have to use left-handed pots again. It's it has to do with the taper. So an an audio taper pot is not just a linear thing where it actually your ear hears things uh, logarithmically. I don't know how else to describe it. So um, a volume swell that sounds natural if you looked at it on a on a graph mm-hmm. it would have a curve where it would look like a ski jump right okay if you wire that pot backwards all of a sudden you've got a like an
2: like an a mound arc, okay
1: a different curve right and so it's it's not like a linear pot which just goes straight on the x and y axis goes straight from one corner to the other that's a, they make linear pots um, we, we're using an audio pot where if you wire it backwards when it's turned up, if you turn it down just a little bit, like it's up to 10 and you turn it down to 8, it's like turning a normal pot down to 2. Oh, okay. So you have to use left-handed pots A so that they taper right and B so that they roll the right direction.
2: I see. So it's not just ergonomics or an ease of use. It's That's correct. A...
1: It's it, there actually is an audio reason for it. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
2: Cool. Well, thanks Jay.
1: Thank you, Jay.
2: Hey, you two was just thinking about vintage guitars. After all, what else is there to think about and realize that in all your episodes, I have never heard mention of Kappa guitars. I have owned a couple over the years, one being a Continental Model 12 string with a Jazzmaster style tremolo. These were American made guitars from the 1960s and are pretty cool. Hoffner staple top style pickups. Try saying that 10 times fast. Uh Very Fender meets Dan Electro. What are your thoughts? Thanks and take her easy, Jeff.
1: Thanks, Jeff. I've I've definitely seen a few Kappa guitars. Uh not a ton of them. They're they're a little bit uh not rare, but they're just not something that you see all the time. They must not have made very many. Or it's more of a reg- regional thing. Maybe they're huge back east, you know? I don't know. Yeah it depends i mean it's kind of like dan electro you don't see a ton of them on the west coast cuz they were in new jersey
2: oh okay thing
1: and they sh- they're a lot more common on the east coast and there's guitars that were made on the west coast that you that you find more regularly than you would on the east coast so uh i don't know i don't know where they were made um maybe i can look it up real quick So it looks like Kappa's home base was in Maryland. There's a guy named Mr. Veneman. And uh, Veneman's Music Emporium in Silver Spring, Maryland, he sold a lot of uh, European guitars in his guitar store, and through these connections, he was able to outsource and buy a bunch of parts from European suppliers. He assembled them in his Maryland store, and uh, that's where they made the guitar bodies. But the necks, the pickups, the electronics, he imported them all from from Hofner, and uh, then uh, the tuners were German. They were sh- made by Schaller, and uh, apparently Veneman made his own bridges and tremolo assemblies and other other hardware bits and pieces. And he named the company Kappa after his family. So his wife was named Kube, Koob K O O B. You ever heard that name? No. Yeah, it's a weird one. His son, Albert, his daughter, Patricia, and his. Oh, wait, his name was Coob. I'm sorry. And his wife's name was Adeline. So. Coob, Albert, Patricia, Adeline, Kappa. Well, Yeah.
2: And through the magic of editing, Eric learned all that in about a half a second.
1: Yeah. And, uh, Kappa, they, they, they have a. I mean, they're very 60s. They've got really thin necks. And, um,. They were priced well below their competitors like Fender and Gibson. And uh, after a while, they actually started to outsource and uh, had some of their guitars made in Japan. So some of them are made in the USA, and then later on, uh, during the final year, some of the production was outsourced to Japan.
2: How long did they make them? Did you say that already?
1: Uh, they've ceased in 1970. Oh, okay. And sold their assets to Moserite and MicroFret guitar companies.
2: Hmm. Cool. And it
1: sounds like Wright kept going and outsourced the Kappa instrument production to Japan. Oh, okay. So, yeah, interesting guitars. I you never, you know, maybe they're more common. Like I said, maybe they're more common on the uh, East Coast. It's not something that you see super often here. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. Anyhow, that's what they call a show. That's a podcast. There it is. Uh, Do you like the show?
2: No. Uh, Yes.
1: Tell a friend, share it on Facebook, whatever social media platform you use. If you have a moment, give us a a rating on iTunes or whatever, whatever podcasting platform you be using there. It'll help us reach more people, which just helps us get more questions. It improves the quality of the show. The most important thing is to participate. Well, actually, the most important thing is to listen.
2: Oh, you got a point there.
1: But if you're not already listening, then... You're not going to hear this message. So, do participate, please. You can call 757-774-8482. That number again is 757-774-8482. You can call or text that number anytime, day or night. And the other way to do it is go to my website, ericdaw.com, E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and submit your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Good night.